This podcast is very proudly brought to you by my new book, From Peasants Food to Superfoods. This book is based on cooking for the entire family and it guides cooks from all experiences on how to integrate healthy foods into everyday life. I know it's easy to stick to the same old things every week with a family to feed and a budget to stick to, but eating nutritious and delicious food every night is achievable and affordable. Learning how to use, prepare, and incorporate new and old ingredients into tasty and exciting food is what I love doing. So I have put this book together. It's over 300 pages. There's over 100 simple, nutritious recipes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, desserts. Most of it's gluten-free, dairy-free. It's very gut-healing, very anti-inflammatory, and I hope that you will love it as much as I have, putting it together and (laughs) bringing it to life. So if you would like to check it out, learn more, or order it, jump online at www.mgherbs.com.au. And thanks for bringing us the podcast today. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. Hey guys, welcome back to The Naked Naturopath. Uh, Today on the cast, I actually wanted to share another podcast where I was interviewed by a lovely lady named Tammy Guest, and she has a podcast uh, which is called The Naturopreneur Movement. And this podcast is specific to naturopaths, nutritionists, and uh, healers, I guess, of all kinds, who are looking for some inspiration, who are looking for some guidance, who are maybe wanting to learn a bit more um, about, you know, uh, people who do this for a living. So even if you're not in the business, it may still be interesting for you to find out a bit more and listen into that podcast because there's lots of cool people on there, um, people who I really look up to. So it was a pleasure and a privilege to be on Tammy's podcast and be interviewed. And the reason that I was on there is because she has asked me to speak about publishing my book at her upcoming event next year, February. And I'm really excited to be able to share some of my pros and cons and pitfalls and, you know, highs and lows of of publishing uh, my own books. And um, so here's the cast. I really, really enjoyed uh, doing it with her and I just wanted to share it with you guys. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Naturpreneur Movement podcast. I'm super excited today, as I always am, to talk to another amazingly prolific uh, naturopath who is a speaker, a multiple-times author, a mother, a practicing nat, and um, an all-round amazing person who is really passionate about natural health and how we can help our mums um, and families do amazing things that are in alignment with our natural health beliefs. How are you going, Melissa? Hey, Tommy. Thanks. <laughs> Intro, prolific. <laughs> well, you know, you, yeah. you, uh, I always talk about being a contribution to the conversation and because we can always find ourselves a little bit mixed up in the whole, should, should I be a, an expert or a celebrity authority or this, that or the other? And I really think that being a contribution to the conversation is so much more powerful and you have it in spades as a speaker (laughs) on many stages um, on your own podcast uh, in multiple different books you've always got something really valuable to contribute and uh, you do it in so many different channels so yes I would say prolific 
Thank you. That's so lovely. <laughs> so um, some people who follow you might know you as the naked naturopath because you did appear to be naked on the front cover of one of your books. Well, I'm never – well, I was, yeah. <laughs> I am naked, but you can't see things. <laughs> Whenever I get up on stage, there's always one person who's like, oh, you're wearing clothes. I wasn't sure you would. <laughs> so um, how did all that come about? Oh, my gosh. Well, The Naked Naturopath is the podcast, and um, I it was really organic, actually. Like I, um, I am a, a bit of a nudist like at heart. I grew up in this, what I'd call a naked house, probably. (laughs) My husband, he's like, really? You just leave the doors open? And I'm like, yeah, it's like weird. Like it took me a really long time as a, as a teenager. And then as a young adult to realize that not everybody did that. And so I've always just been, um, you know, and actually my daughter is exactly the same. And my mom's always like, oh my gosh, she's going to be a nudist like you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just natural, right? And yeah. so when I decided that I was going to have a podcast and I was talking to my husband and his twin brother about it and I was like, you know, what are you thinking? Like, where are you going to go? And they just were um, sprouting off all these double ends, you know, because we all love alliteration. And the Naked Naturopath kind of came out and, I, and they were like, oh, my gosh, that's so you. You're always naked. <laughs> and so that's where it came from. And then it was, um, when I say it was organic, it became it really owned me because like it was this, you know, grassroots, everything I've done has just been me kind of starting it from scratch and then building it. And um, something that's always stuck with me is just this massive imperfect action. So just do it and then build on it, just do it and then build on it and see what the response is and change it if you need to as, as the need changes and stuff like that. So the naked naturopath was this no bullshit, no, you know, no, um, no, <laughs> this stuff that just kind of takes away from the, the purest element of it. And it was, it was just this organic thing and it, it's still naked and it's bare and it's just the truth. And we just talk about stuff that's going on in the world. And so, you know, I hope it, I hope that it comes across like that. It's, it's come, come from my heart and it's come from something that I've built from scratch. So it, it's um yeah it's naked (laughs) I love that I love that's in alignment with your background and uh what you believe in and believe to be true I think that there's so much uh space and um uniqueness in the world that if we just all lived our truth and we're all in alignment with you know our experiences it um really comes across and um yeah I love that (laughs) you know when I first started out like um something you said in the intro just speaking our truth and finding our voice when I first started out I found it really difficult to find my my space within this industry because there's so many practitioners in Newcastle as you know and um well it's prolific for naturopaths yeah (laughs) and um I thought well what have I got to offer I was like you know what what am I going to bring to the table and as I started to see people one-on-one and just um you know, work with my mentors and try and find what I was good at. It was just peeling things back, um, peeling off the layers, peeling off the clothing or, you know, all this emotional um, baggage that we have or whatever it might be. And people, you know, I, 
I know that there's practitioners who may know more about stuff, you know, certain bits and pieces, you know, people specialise in the gut, people specialise in fertility, and I tend to get this um, like this general array of people and I definitely would see myself as a general practitioner but I love that because they don't come to me for the specialty stuff, they come to me for me. Um, yeah. And, you know, you probably found that as well because you're quite a unique individual that, you know, people gel with you and and that's what I have to give. I have to give my authentic self to people. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and for a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, a lot of practitioners out there, uh, it does take a little while to to find your uniqueness But because it's a bit like, you know, fish swimming in the water and recognising, oh, it's water. It You don't recognise that because, it, you know, you are you, you don't recognise your actual unique, uh, what makes you you, and then it... it it takes a little while to get used to the idea that that is actually going to be really quite therapeutic for the people who resonate with you and the people who are here to be helped by you. Absolutely. And you know what now, even just last week, I have, I have people come and I know that they're going to be my people and that I'll be their person. And then I have people come and I think they're probably not going to stick with me and that's okay as well. Because there yeah. are plenty of other people out there and they might gel with, with one of those other people better. Yeah, and that's the other beautiful thing about being here in uh, Newcastle where there is an amazing array of practitioners mm-hmm. who have all of their uniquenesses. It's really easy to know when somebody comes into you who doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't completely resonant and you can have so many people to refer to. Yeah, you know, it's so great because I particularly... I'm not a fan of skin conditions <laughs> <laughs> and being able to find the right person for the right right reasons at the right time is just so much easier when there's things that I don't, I don't you know, I'm really not going to be the particular practitioner for that particular person. I can instantly go, oh, yep, this one just down the road, she's amazing, don't hesitate, here's a number. So, yeah. I think there's um, a real benefit in the collaboration of um, finding everybody's uniqueness and then being able to share the wisdom. And if you can embrace that, like if you can just embrace that. I had a student in, I've got a new student in in the last few weeks and she's kind of like, well, like how am I going to do this? There's so many people here. Where am I going to go? It doesn't matter where you are in Newcastle. There's somebody like two Ks away (laughs) and She's like, what am I going to do? I said, you, you'll find your thing. But the, the biggest thing is if you can just embrace that there's so many practice here and and be cool with that and know that they're there to support you and get, get into the little groups that we have, you know, for like the alumni or whatever it might be to support you, then all that fear kind of fades away and you can just do your thing and and support other people doing their thing and then everybody like has somewhere to go all the Absolutely. time. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, that's one of the reasons we created Nadex and we're so excited that you're going to be part of Nadex in 2020 Uh, is is because we need to have these places and spaces to have these other conversations so that we can all help one another and help uh, the general population in a much better and more cohesive way. Uh, one of the big, biggest things that I'm excited that you're going to be sharing at Nadex is about your journey as an author. 
mm-hmm. and so many of uh, so many crackies out there, and, and I used to be included in that. Had on their vision board, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to publish mm-hmm. my own book because we've got so much knowledge in our heads, and you know, having a book with your name on it is such a nice little ego trip to begin with and then, <laughs> and then there's this journey that it takes to actually produce uh, a book and bring it out into the world and and uh, the analogy of birthing I really think worked for me as a, uh, what what's your journey been like as an author oh my gosh <laughs> it's it's honestly been one of the hardest things that I've ever done but when you hold that book in your hand and it does have your name on it, it's one of the most rewarding things. You know, it's so much more than the ego in the end because, yeah, you want to have a book with your name on it. But in the end, when you're literally holding that, that hard book and, and you see your name on it and you've been through everything to get to that point, it's, you deserve it. Like you deserve yeah. it. You know, yeah. you really know that you've worked hard to have that in your hand. Absolutely. Um, and it is so much harder than people make it out to be. Absolutely. And like you don't know until you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I would have loved to have somebody who I had spoken to before I did it, but I'm like this just do it kind of person. Just do it. <laughs> I have this, um, you know, just I, I've always had a project within my business. You know, I graduated in 2011 and I, you know, opened a private practice and I wrote three books in three years and I'm taking a break now. Um, but <laughs> I have this just go and do the big ideas. Like, like if you've got these things in your head, just get them out there because something that I, I have seen in other prakis and, you know, in, in my family and my friends is that they, they hold on to these ideas and then, um, you know, they do them in dribs and drabs. And I know that everyone's different, but when they put it out there, it may not be received the way that they thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think there's a divine right timing that happens with these things. And uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, she talks about that ideas come and dance with us for a particular time, for a particular reason, in a particular way. And it's like if we don't have that relationship with that idea or we don't dance with that idea, then it can go and dance either with somebody else or it, the timing just kind of gets out of kilter when it, yeah. when it finally comes out because we haven't paid it the attention that, that it needed. Yeah, totally. And I went to, um, it was Grace Lever. Have you heard of her? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So she's this really cool, uh, cool little chick. <laughs> she's, she's really funky. And she, I went to one of her workshops in Sydney and um, she just talked about getting your stuff out there, getting some, you know, some kind of feedback on it. So like when I wrote my detox program a couple of years ago, I put it out and it wasn't perfect and I've worked on it ever since. And we add to it like last year, we just added um, like a portion of a technology detox to it because that's, you know, that's our times, right? And so she just talked about this massive imperfect action and that's always stuck with me and that's really been my attitude to life, I found. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, when I wrote the first book, I wrote it because I had a lot of clients come in with food intolerances and that's really where I started my clinic because I had um, a lot of food intolerances myself. And so you tend to attract what's going on for you at times in your life. Since I've had a baby, I get a lot of new mums and um, that's beautiful as well. And so when I had all these food intolerances, I was getting all these clients in and, you know, 
they were like, how do we, how do we eat? How do we do? Yep. (laughs) How do we write recipes and, and all this stuff. And I, so I started writing these recipes for them and then they'd be like, you should have a book. If you had a book, we'd buy it. You know, where's your book? And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I can put all this. I already had it all. I'd written it all for them. You know, I'd write recipes for nearly every person who walked into my clinic. And so I started kind of collating that and putting it all together. And so my first book almost wrote itself. You know, I, I, I sat down and I was, I put my introduction there, which was really my intention for the book. And, um, that first book was so organic and we sold, we pre-sold, um, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of, of that first book. And I self-published it and that was a huge journey. And, um, very soon after everybody wanted a second book. And so I was like, oh man, okay, well, I've still been writing recipes. I've still got more to give. The first book, when you self-publish, you know, it's very much about um, how many pages is it? Because every page costs another dollar. And so that first book, it was like 50 pages and it was $65. And so it was really expensive for what it was, but it filled the need for people and they wanted it. And that was cool. It was like this hardcover. And the thing about cookbooks is their color, right? So every second page is a full color page and that costs right. a lot of that, that brings a whole uh, I, I wrote my book and um I, I got mine published by a publishing house and uh even just to have mine was all black and white and text mm-hmm. and even just to have a black and white picture brings a whole level of complexity that no one <laughs> recognizes so when when someone says that they've, they've published a recipe book I feel it viscerally when you're talking about <laughs> Colored picture, and I'm not sure that everybody's quite going to understand what it's like to actually get that out. You also have to have that colored photo, right? You have to have the food, you have to prep the food, you have to get it shot, you have to then put it in the book, you then have to get it. Um, you know how you've got like you've got your recipe title, you've got your introduction, you've got your ingredients, you've got your method, all that needs to be laid out. So, um, you need a graphic designer. You can't like, you, you really, I tried, trust me (laughs) to do it on my own. And you really need somebody who knows what they're doing for that kind of thing. And so it, um, there's so many layers to any book, but a recipe book as well. And I had somebody once say to me, oh, but you know, you, you don't even, you haven't even written a book. It's just recipes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, dude, the recipe book is so much harder. I wish I wrote a novel. My publisher wish I wrote a novel. You know, when I self-published, I wish I wrote a novel. It would have been so much easier. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, like it just, it just happened that way. And then the second book was the second book. It was double the size. It was half the price. It was so exciting. I knew so much more, right? Because you just learn from doing it. Oh, yes. That's a tweetable, people. Yeah. Learn from doing it. You don't learn from thinking about it. You don't learn from planning it. You don't You learn from doing it. And I learn hard. I learn hard and fast and I learn a lot. And um, so when it came to my third book, I, I honestly... I just can't even remember why. I think I was approached. Um, yes, that's right. I had there's this there's this kind of like a platform, and what they do is they kind of reach out to authors and be like, "Do you want to write another book?" We could. Um, it's almost like GoFundMe, but for publishing houses. Oh yeah. So what happens is you put the idea out there. You you like I spent weeks writing a proposal. Um, Yes, a huge proposal, pages and pages and pages, and you had to shoot a 10-minute video 
which had to be kind of professionally shot and all this stuff. And then depending on the amount of pre-orders that you get, you then get offered to publishing houses. So that's kind of how I got into publishing because I, you know, I wasn't, um, I, I sent my book to so many different publishing houses, the second one before I wrote it, and there was just no interest in Australia. Mm. And so all of the, I then had 11 or 12 different publishers approach me for the third book, but they were all in America. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Um, I don't know why, but maybe the market is very saturated here because a lot of the time, you know, the publishers who have approached me, they're like, we've never seen anything like this before. Um, whereas here, you know, like we go to Target. Lifestyle is the thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, there's a huge gap to be filled in America, which is is there for the taking. So if anyone else wants to write a cookbook, <laughs> they want them. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my journey, I guess, of the three books. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and I'm so excited that we um, get to hear uh, a little bit more of the how-tos in in the, your deep dive when it comes to uh, you being on stage at NatX and um, that's really exciting for everybody who's going to be there for that workshop. Um, and the theme for NatX is love your work, love your life and love yourself. And uh, I wanted to, you know, dive deeper because we, we just heard how much you love your work <laughs> and you love the different types of clients that you you attract based on know different parts of our lives and things like that but what do you love about how your work melds into creating a life that you love oh I guess my work isn't work like you know it's um it is my life I I grow the veggie garden and I come into the kitchen and I make all these weird and wonderful foods and I feed them to my guinea pig husband and he's like yes or no and then I write them all down and so for me the cookbooks will never work it was all the stuff around it <laughs> to to create them and make them into a cookbook that um became work but it was still a labor of love like it it was um the last year the this year the first half of this year has been the most stressful of my entire life and that's because I happened to pick a publisher who went bankrupt unfortunately out of all of those people <laughs> who approached me um but I you know in the in the back of my book the first all of my books the first person I've always thanked has been my clients and I often have to stop myself from just reaching out and being like I want to come over for a coffee because I love my clients a lot they're like I feel like they're like a part of my um my family my friends and I love being able to support them you know it's such an honor and a privilege to have that place in someone's life mm, it's beautiful um, yeah look I just yeah I love love it I can't even remember the question I'm too much <laughs> <in love. laughs> I, I um I remember a time when I was uh first starting out and I had a really clear delineation between being at work and being at home and it was like work wasn't part of you know, I had work life and then I had home life or I, I had a real separation of, of those two things. And now my, just as, as you were describing, my work is my life and my life is an extension of the things that I love and the things that I get to do. And I didn't know that I was able to do that. You know, I didn't think that my qualification afforded me that it was, my qualification was to go and do one-on-one things and then to go home and 
save up the money to go and do life stuff. Whereas now I just have, I, I love being able to weave the two together. And I love that you do the same with going out to your garden and, and trying the two different, you know, uh, all the different foods out with your hubby. And I've seen the pictures on social media with you <laughs> and your bubs. And, and I, I really think that um, as a profession, we need permission to be able to meld our work life and our home life together. Yeah. And it took a little while, you know, I think when you start out, you always have those barriers up to protect yourself as a practitioner. Mm-hmm. And I still have them because I don't want to be, you know, a sobbing mess every night when I come home because you do, you do some really serious work with people. Yeah. Uh, but it's being able to have a different side to it. You know, like I don't just do the one-on-one. I would, I would be very drained if I did that five days a week. And so when I set up my garden in my front yard recently, I put two more garden beds in. That was a business expense. Yeah. That, and that to me is like, that is the ultimate goal of my life. If I can set up veggie gardens as a business expense, <laughs> that's my joy, you know, um, that just makes me so happy. So yeah. Yeah. Totally get that. As on my retreats, to be honest, I absolutely yeah. love teaching overseas, and yeah, for that to be something that is just part of my business life is absolutely so yeah, so special. Mm. So um, the other reason that we utilised the term love <laughs> in um, in that X and the theme is that I had personally experienced burnout, and I've seen it just rampant in our profession. Mm. And um, when I've been asking everyone who's been on the podcast this year about um, have you experienced uh, burnout or adrenal fatigue as a practitioner or, or practitioner fatigue where we, you know, we just see so many clients that sometimes things change for us. Um, and that element of loving yourself and taking care of yourself, I just wanted like your biggest tip that you've learned as a practitioner to take care of yourself. I don't know that I've learned it yet. Great. That's one of the most working on it. Yeah, that's one of the most great answers we've been getting. And it's a practice, right? Oh good. Yeah. Yeah, it's constant. I yeah, like the you know, that balance is so great, but also like I have to make sure I'm not coming inside, like between the garden and the kitchen and running around the house and you know, all of that stuff. I'm not checking my emails every five minutes. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on the socials, you know, seeing who's replied to my um, latest blog or what the comments are or, you know, like I really have to still be careful of that. Mm. And, you know, a long time ago I took all those notifications off and I did all that and, but it still gets me like I still, oh, someone might have emailed me. I probably have to reply straight away even though I have that auto response and, um, you know, I just want to be, be, there for them uh but i've got to make sure that i yeah still just just chill mel like you can reply tomorrow when you're in the clinic (laughs) if it was an emergency someone would call you um and yeah just at the moment like i said the first half of this year was in that's probably my lowest point with that with that publisher that i first went with and um i really my autoimmune disease flared up and I wasn't the mum that I wanted to be and so I really had to take time out for me and and just do some healing and I've cut back the clinic a little bit and I'm spending more time in the garden like I said I put new garden beds out because that really that feeds me so I need to do that a bit more 
and I have um, I was in the clinic four days a week and I'd have Callie home Wednesdays, but I've closed the Fridays and I have her home Fridays with me now as well because I just felt like I really needed to um, spend some more time with her and I have the luxury of doing that. So mm. I just reassessed. I reassessed and I reworked it and I'm sure I'll have to do it in the new year again. Um, but we just we just take it as it comes, you know. And Yeah, so it sounds, it sounds like uh, maybe your schedule was driving you and, and then there was a notion that you can choose what you do with your schedule. Yeah, yeah definitely. I feel like it was this big battle with me between like um, like not, I'm not resting on my laurels, I'm just taking a break. <laughs> Like, I'm just taking some downtime and that's okay. I've worked really hard, you know, for the last few years and I've just got to feed, feed back in, feed myself. Yeah. I turn that garden over, like put the compost in. <laughs> I love <laughs> all of that stuff I do for the garden. So why wouldn't I do it for me? Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Um, that is absolutely amazing. And uh, I am really inspired when uh, people stop, reconsider, uh, and we walk the walk and talk, talk instead uh, and actually listen to our bodies and do what we need to to uh, really heal ourselves so that we can be of best service to others. So, yeah, uh, yeah I acknowledge what it takes to do that as well. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage to get over the fear that we're going to do it differently and it'll get a different result to what we want to have. So, oh, yeah, I've, look, I've had my psych appointments regularly. <laughs> yeah, fortnightly, sort out my head. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, and you do have to prax need prax as well. Yeah, <laughs> Well, I'm so, so grateful for it. such a beautiful conversation today, Melissa, and thank you so much for those people who are listening. Uh, if you got a gold nugget out of this, and I absolutely did, uh, please share it with any practitioners that you know who need to hear it as well. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at NADEX and sharing even more book wisdom. Mm. And if you haven't already, go and check out Melissa's uh, podcast, The Naked Naturopath, and uh, we'll catch you uh, at NADEX. Can't wait. Thanks so much, Tammy. All right. Thanks, guys. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on the Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.